0: Well, it is a uh, a blessing and honor to be here with you and to have the opportunity to to share God's word with you and to uh, just see what God has to say to us this morning. You know, Charles Spurgeon said a preacher who preaches a sermon where he doesn't use the word, who can uh, preach a sermon without using the word Christ, it needs to be his last sermon. And I would also extend that to say any worship leader who can lead us in worshiping and focus on anything other than Christ, it needs to be his last worship experience. Uh, not experience, but leading us in the experience. Well, Nick, this does not need to be your last worship <laughs> leading experience. That was powerful. That was so good. That is so encouraging to be able to, to just take time and focus our heart, our mind, everything we are upon Christ. For he is our foundation. We have a tendency to complicate things, don't we? I mean, we do live in a complicated world. We walk out those doors after today, after this worship service, we walk out those doors... And we are dealing with any number of complicated situations going on in your life right now. It could be health. It could be work. It could be family. It could be uh, disappointments. It could be being let down by a number of people. It could be the chaotic direction of this world. But we live in a complicated world. May we not overcomplicate the church may we not overcomplicate what the church is really about and it is about what we just did the last 20 30 minutes it is about worship it is about lifting up the name of christ recognizing like that beautiful solo that the the young lady here saying that the words crucify him it could have come from our lips May we never, ever forget that simple, profound fact. We are no better. We are no different than those very ones that stood and looked at the Christ and said, crucify him. We are no different than they. And we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to overcomplicate the function, to overcomplicate who we are to overcomplicate what we do as the church. And so I want us to go and look very simply at Acts chapter 13 this morning and go back to one of those early churches and look at what they, how they approached everything and what they were doing. And so uh, we're going to talk this morning about the spirit, the church, the scent, and God's mission. The Spirit, the church, the scent, and God's mission. That's going to be the focus of what we're going to talk about this morning. And so I'd like to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 13. And we're going to look at a very uh, good, healthy church and look at what they were doing, look at how they were approaching things. And see if we might glean and might learn some things from this. So, would you stand with me, if you were able, to uh, Acts chapter 13. And we're going to stand and reflect and read God's word. Starting in verse 1 through verse 5. Now there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers. Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger... "...and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, "...set apart from me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus... And when they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, you have recorded this so that we could know important things about who we are as the church and what our mission is to be. May you help us see the simple, profound truths that guide our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this morning, I want us to look at, this is kind of the thesis, the main point of what I want us to take out of what we learned this morning. The Holy Spirit, through the church, sends the called out ones to the mission field to do the work. The called out ones go and do the work and then return to report to the church on the the work that's what this story taking place in one of the first churches the early church that's really what this is about it's about the holy spirit it's about the church it's about the called out ones it's about the sent out ones all focused on the work That's what we want to look at this morning. And that's what we see here in Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. So the first thing I want us to see is God is a sending God. God is a sending God. I mean, we think about, let's just think about this for a moment. God sent His Son to be on the earth, He sent God, He he sent Jesus here to help us understand the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. God sent His Son so that we would have a way to have a relationship with Him. We could look look throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, and we see in Luke chapter 19, 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. God's ascending God. He sent Jesus to seek and to save the lost. We, we look at some of the parables that Jesus used. The parable of the lost coin. That's all about finding that one coin. The, she went out away and looked and searched for that, she swept the, she looked everywhere for that lost coin, the lost sheep left the ninety-nine to go and find the one that was lost. When we think about the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore. God is a sending God. God is about launching us. May we not overcomplicate this. The purpose of us joining together to worship the way we have so beautifully this morning is to prepare us, to train us, to launch us out these doors and to impact a lost community and to impact a lost world for God's glory. Let's look in Acts chapter 1. This is a profound statement that Jesus makes as he's ascending, just before he ascends. Acts 1, verse 7 through 8, it says, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. This is a clear statement of going. Going. This is a clear statement that Jesus says foundational to what you're going to be doing is you're going to be sent out. You are going to go. You are going to go to right in your area. You're going to go beyond your area. You're going to go to the remotest parts of the earth. That is what my mission is all about. But let's look at what was Jesus actually answering here. It was a... Question that the disciples now the disciples had walked with Jesus for a number of years, they had heard him over and over and over again. And here he is, he's a, been crucified, he resurrected from the dead, he's about to ascend to be with the Father. And they still don't get it, they still don't quite understand what's going on. Because look at this question it says, Lord. It is, is it at this time, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? I mean, think about what they're thinking about. They think Jesus has come for that nation, for one people, the kingdom of Israel. He's, the disciples are saying, Jesus, listen, we know this is all about Israel, Well, they were all Jews. They were all Israelites. It was their people. And so from their perspective, they're focused on one people. May we be very, very careful that we don't fall into the same mistake these disciples were falling into. Being inward focused. Focused on ourselves. When Jesus says, it's not for you to know times or epics. That was asking the when question the disciples were asking. But then he says, it's not about Jerusalem only. Yes, Jesus died for the people in Jerusalem. But he said, it's also about Judea. But it's not just about Judea. It's also about Samaria. That was their known world. But Jesus says, it's about every corner, every people, every nation, every tribe. That is what this is about. May we not forget that God is a sending God. Because in Revelation 7-9, we see the picture that he's been, that he's uh, leading us towards. He says in Revelation 7 9, And these things I looked, he sees, and behold, this is John the Revelator, and behold, a multitude, which no one could count, from every what? Every nation, every people, every tribe, every tongue, what are they doing? They're doing what we did this morning. But they are gathered around the very throne of God, and they are worshiping Christ, the risen one, the one in which We could have stood and said, crucify him, just as the the people of that day did. So we must understand that God is a sending God, and that is to be the heartbeat of the church, the heartbeat of the church. The second thing I want us to see is that God gives us all a part. We all have a part to play. This is a beautiful picture. Calling and sending to do the work requires every one of us to play our part. And every part we play is equally important. May we not think that doing one thing is more important than the other. We just have to do our part. And the question I have to ask for you and to me is what is your part? So let's look at this calling and sending to do the work requires everyone to do the part, their part. First, we see the church. Verse one it says, "Now there were at Antioch in the church. May we not underemphasize the importance of the church. You are critical. Every church is important in this task. The church is part of it. Now, Christ is the head of the church, but we see in Scripture that that God has given the church earthly leaders. So the church is there, but then the leaders are there, and the leaders are looking to the head, who is Christ, to make sure they're walking in the Spirit and leading the church in what is most important to Christ. So the instruction we get from God's Word states clearly that Christ has appointed these leaders to lead us. Now, in this church, the leaders were leading well. How do we know that? Well, there's a couple things. We know because of what they're doing. They are praying and fasting. They're ministering to the Lord. But look at who is there. This is so interesting. And notice how Luke, the writer, he says... Now, there were their prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was also called Niger. Why is that important? This is an African man. The word Niger means black. So here we're seeing a multicultural leadership in this church. And Lucius of Cyrene, that's somewhere different. He is another one. And then, yet look at here. And Mannion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Now, Herod the Tetrarch was not a good man. You remember um, that John the Baptist had a run-in with Herod. It didn't go so well. So this is an interesting group. Now, who are these? They are leaders in the church. These leaders, and Saul was with them. Now we want to we make sure, we want to understand what they were doing. This diverse, so first, this is a diverse group of leaders. They've come from many different backgrounds and many different walks of life. The very church at Antioch, the reason it even came into existence is because of the dispersion. There was persecution, and so Christians dispersed And they ended up in Antioch, and they started this church. So you think your world is chaotic. These men and women of this church, they have been living a very chaotic, upside-down life. They had to flee from their home. They left family. They left their own people. And they went to Antioch, and what did they do? They now belong to a new people group. A people group that is of the Lion of Judah. It's a people group that is a holy nation. It is a people group that is focused upon Christ. And Christ is their head. Christ is their, that sets their mind. And Christ is their worldview. So this is the kind of church we see coming together here. Now what are these leaders doing? It says they're ministering to the Lord. Ministering to the Lord. Look in verse 2 and while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. This is what they were gathered to. These are the leaders. They've come together. They are ministering to the Lord. I don't think we should overcomplicate this by thinking, what does it mean, ministering to the Lord? I think they probably were worshiping. They probably were singing like maybe we did just a few minutes ago. They were praying together. They were opening up the scriptures and encouraging one another through what they find in the scriptures. They were sharing testimonies. Now, it says, and fasting. Well, all of the things I've just mentioned, those are things we should be doing every day. Praying, worshiping, studying the Bible, encouraging one another, fellowshipping one another. We can't fast every day, can we? But here they're saying they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. So, while they're ministering to the Lord, while they're fasting, the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks. Church leaders, you are instruments of God to create an ethos of sending and going in your church. You are instruments of God to create an ethos of sending and going in your church. And I'm encouraged because your pastor has been sent out. He's gone. He's doing the work. Praise the Lord. I know many from this church are engaged and involved. I talked to one man earlier who listed half a dozen countries who he'd gone and served with. Praise the Lord. The purpose of their fasting and praying was to make sure they were doing what God wanted them to do. So the church has to play its part. The leaders of the church play their part. Prayer is critical. Prayer is critical. I was with a, uh, a man in West Africa recently. He was part of a people group that's almost 99% Muslim. But he had gotten saved as a young man. He was trained in a Bible school and he ended up pastoring a church. But his heart was to reach the millions and millions of lost people that He spoke their language, he understood their people, he understood their ways, and he was praying that God would send somebody to reach his people. One of our our missionary personnel was was friends with him, and he said, would you join me in praying? And this was a single lady. So with this man and his wife and the single lady, they prayed for seven years that God would send somebody to that people. He was pastoring all this time. The Lord spoke to him and called him out of that church where he was getting a salary, where he had a place to live, where he knew where his next meal was coming from. His family was cared for. His kids were cared for. But he resigned from that church because God said, you are to go. You are the one to go. And he went, not knowing how he was going to support Prayer is what God uses to speak to us what's on his heart. Pray, fast, be engaged in that on a regular basis. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that actually does the work. We have our part to play as the church. Leaders of the church, you have your part to play. The Holy Spirit has his part to play. He answers the prayers. He guides us and directs us. He gives this the direction that we are to go. They were listening to the Holy Spirit. And what did the Holy Spirit say to them? Set apart for for me Barnabas and Saul. Because I have work I have called them to do. He specifically says, look at that. He specifically says the work. I have called them, set apart for me Barnabas for, for the work to which I have called them. I want to emphasize that the work. There is the work that we are called to do. There is the work that we have been compelled to do. We'll talk a more about that in a little bit. So God's call is critical because there will be challenges, there will be difficulties. Uh, Steve mentioned Uh, while I was in college, I had the opportunity to go to Mauritius, an island off the coast of Africa. I served there for just a few months, but that few months totally changed my life because God used that to speak to me as I was walking down the rain-soaked streets of Kirpete, Mauritius. And there were four young men about my age walking on the other side of the road. And as the rain came down, they offered to share their umbrellas with me So the five of us walking down the road, and I began to share the gospel with them. Four guys my age had never heard the name Jesus before. That'll change your life. God used it to change my life and to call me out and send me out. So let me just say, God's call is so important because life is not easy especially leaving the comforts of home, leaving the comforts of what we're used to, and going to a new place, it is not easy. There are challenges, there are difficulties, but when you're called, your feet are firm because you know God has you there and you are going to persevere. You are going to work. So let me say to you, thank you. Because it's through your gifts to the cooperative program that 30-plus years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Mauritius. And it changed my life, and I am forever thankful for it. So, we would ask that you as a church are a praying church because the work is critical. Friends, this is where we really have to understand the, the, where we support where we give, where we send, that they're actually engaged in the work. Because the work is what God's heart is all about. We try to simplify that in the International Mission Board, and we call it the missionary task. The missionary task is entry. So when I showed up in Zambia in 1997... I had to understand the language. I had to understand the culture. I had to understand how to interact with people in an appropriate way. Not everybody greets like an American. A firm handshake in in western Zambia will put a man on his knees because they gently shake with two hands and they bow. That's entry. It is critical that we enter appropriately so that we can contextualize which means take the gospel and put it into a context not changing the content not changing the gospel but putting it forth so that people from other cultures can understand it that's evangelism once people are saved we're engaged in appropriate discipleship so we help them grow in their faith so that they become strong and then when there's a group we intentionally lead towards healthy church formation That's part of the missionary task. That's the work. And then we are also engaged in leadership development. Just like your church needs leaders, every church needs leaders. Why? Because God ordained it in his word that the church would be led by leaders. Effective, healthy, godly leaders who pray and fast and actually do the very things we see in the church at Antioch. So, the work. It is important that we understand the work that we are sending our young people to go and do, that we are going and joining, that we're giving to, that we're engaged in. So, engaged in orf- with orphan work? Make sure it's orphan work, it's water well work, it's human relief work that's tethered to the missionary task. Because that, is what the work is all about. God's mission is the work. A healthy understanding of that work. Now, God had uh, noticed, or Barnabas and Paul, they were already engaged in the work through the local church. So, looking for people within your church that's already doing this right here in Powhatan. That is the work God has called them, us all to do. It's very, there's, it's very clear that it's very specific work that uh, God has called us to do. Let me share with you a couple of stories of how our personnel are engaged in the work. In the, the Democratic Republic of Congo, we've only got four families living in a country that is massive. Millions and millions of people. There's war in almost every corner of the country, but they live in the capital city. And so they have adopted a training strategy. They go in and train existing believers how to share the gospel, how to disciple. They come out. They go in and train. They have to come out. They go in and train. Well, one of these uh, Congolese ladies that was trained, she was walking down the road one day, and a 14-year-old boy come came up and tried to steal her purse. He missed He grabbed it, and it slipped away, and he ran on, and then he stopped, and he came back. He came back a second time, and he ran up to her and grabbed her purse, and this Congolese lady says, Stop. I'll give you $2 if you just listen to a Bible story. So this lady was trained by personnel that you support how to story the Bible, so she tells this 14-year-old thief a Bible story, the, the story of the gathering demoniac. Toward the end of the story, the boy just starts weeping. And he says, I, my life is a mess. I need Jesus. Well, he receives Jesus right there. That's entry and evangelism. Then the, the lady invites this 14-year-old boy into her home where her and her husband begin to disciple him teaching them how to walk. So that's entry, evangelism, and discipleship. Then they find out that he, his, his family life, his parents don't want anything to do with him, totally turn their back on him because he's a thief. He's probably into drugs. He's probably sniffing glue. They take this boy back to the parents, and they begin to help the boy and the parents restore their relationship. That is the work that I'm talking about. And you had a part to play in that because that Congolese lady was trained by people that are part of our organization, that are supported by you, that are trained so that they're training Africans and then Africans are going on and taking the gospel beyond. God is at work. In Durban, South Africa... We have a couple that have been on the field for 20-plus years. They're about uh, Shauna's and my age. Their kids are now back in the States. They've got grandchildren back here in the States. They were on stateside assignment, and they were enjoying their grandbaby. They were enjoying their kids, but it came time to pack up and go back to South Africa. Now, while they were in South Africa, the, the lady, Julie, had been making relationship with Muslim women through sewing, and through um, uh, English as, teaching English as a second language. So using sewing, using TESOL, te- teaching English as a second language, she was engaged in the missionary task with these ladies, sharing the gospel through these avenues. While she was in the States, they were sending WhatsApp messages. Now, I don't know if you know WhatsApp, but you use this. she was using her South African number, even though she's in the U.S. Nobody in South Africa had her U.S. telephone number. But when she got here, she got a SIM card, she had a U.S. number, but nobody from there, they were all contacting her through, SM, through uh, WhatsApp. Right As they were packing up, they were sad to be going back, she got a message from um, an imam. Now, an imam is a teacher in the Islam faith. And it wasn't a WhatsApp message, it was a text message. And it was a message using the number from here in the States. So after they greeted, he goes, don't you want to know how I got your number? And And they were like, yeah, we were curious. He goes, well, during Ramadan, I was fasting and praying like we do. And I went to sleep one night, and as I was dreaming, you were in my dream. Julie, you were in my dream, and you had a piece of paper in your hand. The first night, I couldn't see what was on that paper. The next night, I had the dream again. And this time, there was a number on the paper, and I could make out some of it, but not all of it. I had the dream a third time. And on that paper was this number, and it looked like a phone number, so I called it, and you answered. And I'm calling you because I need help. My family is a mess. My family in Burundi, another country, is falling apart, and I need to know what I need to do. And she said, her and her husband said, listen, I want you to first read the book of Mark. I'll be back next week, and we'll meet. They've met several times. Now get this. This imam has refused to repent and turn away from Islam and accept Christ. So I would like you to pray for Ali pray that Ali would recognize that God is great and powerful, the one true God is great and powerful, and that he is wanting Ali to repent and turn to him. This is entry, and this is evangelism. I guarantee you if she had not entered carefully, that imam would have nothing to do with her. The ladies in that group would have nothing to do with her, but she speaks their language, she understands them, she's helping them and she is getting to evangelism. One of those ladies just two weeks, three weeks ago, came to her on a Sunday morning and said, I know what you tell me about Jesus is true, but if I believe, I will lose everything. I will not have, my husband will kick me out, I will not have a job anymore, I don't know what they'll do to my kids, and she's counting the cost. And That's what we all must do. Would you pray for these ladies in Durban, South Africa, This is the work. This is the work that we need to be engaged in. But then I want you to look over in Acts chapter 14, 26 through 28. Because here we see God's people report on the work and then celebrate and encourage. Acts 14, 26 to 28. And from there they sailed to Antioch. So they go back to Antioch from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. And when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith in uh, faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. God's people report, celebrate, and encourage. So I'm here, Shauna and I are here to report to you the work that we're involved in and that we see taking place around Africa that you have a tangible, direct relationship with. And so we say thank you. So here, the Holy Spirit, again, reminding of where we've been today, the Holy Spirit through the church, sends the called out ones to the mission field to do the work. The called out ones go and do the work and then return to report to the church on the work. That's what this is about. So I am here this morning reporting that the vision that we share, the vision of every nation, people, tribe, and tongue, worshiping our Lord and Savior, is the work that Shauna and I and over 3,800 missionaries around the world are engaged in through the International Mission Board. We have a shared vision because the vision is not ours, but it is God's. And so the task that the church is uh, tasked with is the work. So I want to close with just encouraging you as Red Lane Baptist Church to follow the example we see in Acts chapter 13. First, four words I want to talk about. One is pray. Pray. Prayer is the work of missions. Fast. Have times of fasting as leaders in the church as small groups in the church, as families to fast. Send. Be a church that sends and goes. Be a church that sends and goes and cooperates with the Holy Spirit to send and go and give. Your financial support makes a difference. It's allowed David and Julie Ingsdall to be in Durban to share the gospel with Ali. It's allowed... Missionaries in the DRC to be training Africans so that that thief, 14 year old thief, could hear the gospel and repent and believe. You see, when you give to your church, the cooperative program is impacted. The cooperative program is a a program where we cooperate together to do more together than we could do alone. That money supports over 3,800 missionaries. We, I'm not sure what how you do your global mission fund, whether it's through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering or whether it's through some global fund that you pull your money together. But I know Red Lane is involved. I want to encourage you, and I want you to know what you're giving is going to the work. My job as a supervisor of 380, I make sure we have conversations around the work are you sharing the gospel how are you discipling what's it like in the church that you're involved in what are you doing to train leaders these are questions we regularly ask our people so i'm here to say thank you thank you for what you've done thank you for what you will do thank you for praying thank you for fasting thank you for giving and thank you for sending and going but i'm also here to say this We have sat and studied and evaluated where we are as an organization and how we're going to do what we've been called to do. And we believe by 2025, we need to have 500 more full-time, fully funded missionaries serving across the world. 500 more. Just four years ago, we cut back by about 25% because financially we couldn't do it. But now as we look at the work, we're going, we need 500 more. That means we need to pray more. That means that more people need to be sent. That means that that more people need to go. That means that we need to do our part so that 500 more can go and do their part. And part of that is praying, fasting, and giving. So would you consider how Red Lane can give even more, can pray even more, can send even more, so that 500 more personnel can engage in lostness around the world. The church, led by godly leaders, sends out, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, the called-out ones to the mission field to do the work, and then they return to share how that work has been done. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to report back to you what God is doing in sub-Saharan Africa through the IMB, through what you do, through the cooperative program, through the Global Mission Fund, through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Thank you for what you do to help us, for the part you play to help us play our part. All of us have a part to play. All of the part we play are equally important, but they're different. So as we close and as we pray, You may be going, Lord, you're calling me to go. Maybe you're realizing you don't even know who Christ is. You've heard us sing about him. You've heard me talk about him. But you don't have a personal relationship where Christ has made you a new creation. Where you can even think about other people. I want to encourage you to give your life to Christ this morning. It could be that you're being called out to go. Maybe it's a short-term trip. Maybe it's for two years. Maybe it's for long-term. There will be people here that can help you know how to go about doing that. But we all have a part in praying and giving. And so I encourage you in the days ahead to consider how Red, Line, Red Lane may give more, may pray more, and sin more. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word that is a light to our path that helps us walk in the way that brings you honor and glory thank you for this example of the Antioch church and the way they have they prayed together fasted together and in cooperation with the Holy Spirit sent out Barnabas and Paul to engage in the missionary task in Jesus name we pray amen